pre-show, old man yelling at cloud season. That also is equivalent to preview season, uh, fan anger season, almanac season. The almanac officially out today as we record here on a Wednesday. Uh, and that means that everyone is tweeting out standing projections and why their team is too high, their team is too low. It's a beautiful time of year, Brad. This is what it's all about. It's kind of crazy. Um, I'm I'm in full junkie mode. I'm 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 consuming any and all content that comes, you know, within my periphery. I'm 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 very upset about the lack of respect that Providence is getting in the media. I mean, I'm not asking for much. I'm just asking for like just logic and reason. Like Terrence Oglesby said that Garway Duel was just a fine recruit. Like, what, like, what are we talking about now? We're, people are working backwards. They want to put Providence 7, or I, I know, speaking of Tristan Freeman a few weeks ago, he's pissed that people have pit 12, 13, and I, I obviously do, as, as we went over last week, but the, the fans of these teams, we, we see when it's the team that we spend the most time looking at, that people are working backwards. I want to put Providence seventh. I want to put Pitt thirteenth, and then we're going to come up with reasons to justify it, even if they don't make any sense. But only only the fans feel that way, and we're about to do that fourteen ways coming up here. Right. Well, and again, I mean, I think you and we've talked about this as like a bigger theme throughout the off season, but the portal. Given given that the the portal allows everyone to have new players every year, there's always every team is always almost always in hope springs eternal mode. It's either Big hope 12 springs especially. eternal. The, the Big Twelve rosters is like completely right. turned over. Right. It's it's either it's over either hope springs eternal or it's like complete dumpster fire. Coaches gotta go. Like there's no in between. There's no rebuild year. There's no incremental step year. Right. There used to be a sense of like okay, there's a few teams. You know, here, here, here are the title contenders. Here, here are the, the middle teams. Here's the bottom. Now everyone thinks they're in the middle of the top, and uh, we'll see. I'm so, so, so always gonna be disappointed every, every, every year. I mean, I also talk about the, I talked about this on Twitter today, but there's also a critical value of understanding national scale to things, and obviously fans aren't very good at doing that. But um, you know, when when we do a, our Big Twelve rankings here which we will do on this show and i say oh you know i have texas tech you know fifth and i have cincinnati 10th and cincinnati fan you know joe joe schmo um comes up and says well that's crazy you know we have more returning players than texas tech or we should be better we're better than texas tech or you know whatever and the difference and and they're five spots out of us well the difference between those is oftentimes like 12 to 15 spots Right. And you can look last year in the Big 12 standings. Right. Um, just for 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 context here. Uh, TCU was 25th in Ken Palm last year. Um, around them, Kansas State was 21st. Iowa State was 29th. West Virginia was 19th. Um, you know, there there is not a ton of separation in many cases between these teams. So. Keep that in mind before you jump on the internet and yell at us. And then, you know, from like a macro perspective, I think if you had asked me yesterday 
where where the Big 12 ranks as a conference for this year coming up. I think I would have told you third. But after really diving in, I think even though I thought, you know, I, I, I would have said yesterday that the Big East is going to be better than the Big 12, my own rankings, I think, say otherwise. I think SEC 1, Big 12 2, Big East 3. I don't know if you have thought on it at that level yet. So I haven't, I haven't really. I will say this: I've been building my top, top my, my my rankings and comparing to other other people. And I will say, I think I'm lower generally on the middle of the Big Twelve than a lot of people seem to be. Like I only have three top twenty-five teams in the Big Twelve. Me too. And I have a fourth in Texas is twenty-six. A lot of people have Texas like top fifteen. Um, I'm not quite there. I have, Texas well, I, I have Texas even higher than that. Where do you have Texas? Uh, I believe nine. I'll have to double okay. check. Okay, well, we'll get into that discussion here later in the show. But um, but I have a lot of these middle teams in, in the Big 12 in the 30s and 40s. Like 35 to 50 is really like where my run of Big 12 teams goes. And I think you could argue it goes anywhere from like 20 to 35 to 40 to 55. Yeah, I, I think I have most of the middle in that same range as you. Um, it 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 seems like we just have like Houston and Texas flipped really. Um, but where where I I guess underestimated the Big Twelve until today, I think at their bottom is pretty good. Um, you know, obviously we'll we'll go more deeply into specific teams, but like Kansas State, I've been on a roller coaster with them. BYU, I'm kind of. Yeah, I don't. I I have them in the 80s, but like BYU and Central Florida at the bottom too. I think both those teams are better than Georgetown, Butler, and DePaul in the Big East. So mm-hmm. we'll have to see. But I think that maybe we won't get quite a Big 12 bottom bringing it down yet. I mean, with, with the 16 team or 18 or however big the Big 12 is going to get eventually, those bottoms are just going to emerge. I mean, it happened with, with the ACC, it happens with all those big conferences. Yeah. Uh, but I think this year they might be pretty insulated from that. All right. Well, without further ado, let's get into the league. Um, it's awkward because we do have the four new teams. So, um, can you how do we last? What's up? They'll just put them on. We'll just put them on. Okay. Sounds good to me. All right. So we'll do our, our 10 teams from last year in their order from how they finished the previous year. And then we'll do the four teams that are new. So that means we start with Kansas. Kansas 13 and 5 in the league, 28 and 8 overall, a number one seed in the tournament, set a record for quad one wins. All things considered, great year for, for the program, given obviously they're coming off a national title. They came up short in the big dance, but. Great year considering how much they had lost. I think there there was a pretty wider there was a wider range by Kansas standards of like where this thing could have gone last year. Uh, and Jalen Wilson made the jump. Grady Dick was really good. McCullough was really good. Um, KJ took the jump that everyone was really concerned about. You know, it all it all worked out fine for them despite having no real internal interior presence, no like traditional scoring guard that became Wilson. Um, they still get a one seed and, and, you know, win the Big 12. This is a new look team. Um, but I think the big story, obviously, 
with with KU is is Hunter Dickinson. Um, as you, as we said, the the main thing that you would have pointed to last year uh, would be yeah, like like Hunter Dick Hunter Hunter Dickinson. Like they don't have a Hunter Dickinson. They don't have a guy that you throw the ball to and score on the block. KJ Adams was a small ball five. He was productive, but he was not a consistent post score. And when you think of Kansas, you think of having a post post player who can you know score the basketball. Now this year you have Dickinson to, to do that. You slide KJ to the four. You bring back McCullough. You bring back Dewan Harris, an elite passer at the point guard spot. The concerns are: Do you have a scoring guard and do you have depth? Um, I think the scoring guard will be El Marco Jackson, um, who is a highly rated recruit. But I remember watching him on the Under Armour circuit and I said, I don't know how much he contributes to winning in year one. Maybe it's insulate. You know, he he's, he was such a chucker, and maybe that is. You know, AAU versus Kansas and Bill Self gets him gets him right. But, you know, I I do think that that's like a factor to watch. Like how much can El Marco Jackson do for you, particularly given that one of the um, other options in that backcourt spot was Arterio Morris, who has a rape allegation against him this past week. Seems less likely now that he will play for Kansas at all. Obviously, that's a very serious situation. And then the other concern is depth. I mean, this is a team that has has been thin all offseason uh, after some of the departures that weren't necessarily expected, like Zabi Ejiofor on Ernest Uday. They got Zach Clemens back, supposedly the red shirt, but he's kicking around. Morris now might be gone. They have two scholarships open other than Morris. Um, you have, you know, you're talking about a bench potentially of Parker Brown, who is really more of a throwaway take, you know, rotation player in the WCC. Jamari McDowell, top 100 recruit, but did not necessarily expect to make a huge impact in year one. Johnny Furphy, late take from Australia, and then one of Jackson and Nick Timberlake. This is not a super deep team. That'd be my other concern with Kansas. But it's Bill Self. They have an all-American big man. They have a great point guard. They have two great, you know, proven players with three and the four. Hard to dislike this group. So first, in terms of the depth, I don't think that the depth is, is is an issue at all. Now with Arturo Morris there, I would have said that 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 they actually were a deep team despite not looking at like it on paper, because that top seven with Jackson and Morris off the bench would go head to head with any top seven in the country, and that's that's two you know good good players off the bench. Not to mention you know the twenty four seven guys love Furphy. I guess he, he moved into, like, top 40 territory by the end here. Um, so he, he's a serious recruit. Um, and then Brom, I mean, he, he like like you said, more of a throwaway guy, but he did play a, a good Santa Clara team. I mean, he's not 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 a walk-on there. He can give you a few minutes. Um, the reason why I'm not too concerned about the depth is because even though Kansas's depth last year looked great on paper, you look back at what it actually was, and it was literally nothing. And now they had great health luck with all five starters playing and starting all 18 conference games. And the lowest minute for getting out of there was KJ Adams at 28 in conference play. Uh, but the bench last year, right, a lot, a lot of people had Uday as a starter in the preseason. He was barely a factor off the bench. Clements is a guy who I, I had on my breakout list, and he couldn't get off the bench. Bill Self called Bobby Pettiford like the next great Kansas guard. He was injured and he was being a glue guy, and you know he he was just a non-factor. Yesifu played the most of all the bench guys, 
MJ Rice was a five-star. Who didn't play? So even even after all of that going wrong last year with Kansas' bench and all those guys falling through, it, it really didn't matter at all. And the bench, I think, with El Marco Jackson in there, experienced guy in Parker Braun, Brown, and then Furphy, who's now a top 40 recruit, I think that's plenty. Um, so I think that the depth is fine. Now, overall, a lot of people have been saying Kansas cleared unanimous number one. I vehemently disagree. I, I personally have them at six. I think anywhere between three and six, I think, is reasonable. Now, I don't see how you can put them over Purdue. The only reason is the one NCAA tournament game where, right. where Purdue gets exposed. The, the question, the question is, can you can can you rank Purdue number one, knowing that there is a massive like March bugaboo? So we have we have Duke, who has a ton of talent. Correct. I think Duke has more talent than Kansas. Clearly, we have Purdue, who has the continuity, and we saw it last year. Kansas, I, if if Kansas had Duke level talent, then I, okay, maybe you know Bill Bill Self might be the best coach in college basketball. Although the, the media has clearly sided with Rick Pitino as the best coach in college basketball. Um, but like, you take this roster, right? You were saying, okay, maybe they're down a scoring guard. You, know, you need Jackson to go 10, 12 points a game. Hunter Dickinson. Top five player in the sport, but it didn't work out so well for Michigan last year. Adams is going to be at at a position at the four. McCullough is very good. Timberlake solid, but very good solid. That that just doesn't compare. I mean, I guess I guess I guess here's 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 how I would spin it. Like Hunter Dickinson's the top five to ten player in the sport. He's an All American, so they have their All American type. They have three All Conference types: KJ Adams, Dewan Harris, Kevin McCullough, and then you have. A grad transfer or a top twenty freshman at the two. But KJ Adams is in all conference as a power forward. I mean, we don't. I mean, He's K- center. But we don't. I mean, he wasn't a center in high school. So I, I tend I, to agree. I, I I don't necessarily disagree with your larger point. I do think Kansas is the less talented than is less talented than Duke and less experienced than Purdue. That's correct. Uh, or then, yeah, Kansas is less talented than Duke, uh, less experienced than Purdue. Um, now that being said, I think Kansas is like, if we're gonna like disqualify for Purdue for me, then I'm one team in the country, which I think a lot of people are doing, and I kind of am, because like I, 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 it was on a limb I wanted to be on. Um, Kansas is like probably the highest floor team in the country, right? Like, it, where where is the world where this team fails? So, I mean, we, we just saw a Hunter Dickinson team fail. And you mentioned, okay, Harris, McCullough, Adams. Those, those are glue guys. This this might not be the right mix. Now, even with Dickinson in center, there should be a very good defensive team with those three guys. Harris, McCullough, Adams. But, I mean, look at, so I guess a couple of the teams that I have ahead of Kansas, right? Yeah. Tennessee. Now, I'm a big Adu guy, but Dickinson's obviously better than Adu. But like, 
between Bescovy and DeLone. I mean, the Tennessee defense, I think, is going to be number one, clearly, like elite-level defense. And why would this Kansas offense be so much better than Tennessee? I mean, Tennessee's got got the better guards. I guess we'll see Ziegler when he's healthy, what he is. But obviously, there's been great Freddie DeLone buzz. They added Dalton Connect. So I think Tennessee's defense is better. And I don't clearly see why Kansas's offense would be better. A lot, a lot of people are buying the Dickinson-Adams duo as being able to work because Dickinson can, can shoot from the perimeter. But you don't want Dickinson on the perimeter. You want him posting up. Yes, that's true. Um, I mean, I, at... at at some level, I mean, we're really splitting hairs between right. you know, one, three, six. But I, I, I personally do not see how anyone can say that Kansas is unquestionably the number one team in the country. Well, I will- so, so I agree. It's not unquestionable for sure. Uh, I guess my, my last thought on this is this, because we have to get to 13 other teams. Last year, I don't think you ever really felt that Kansas was the best team in college basketball, right? No. But... At one point, I mean, there, there was a long stretch where you were like, man, how do you justify anyone else being the number one team? Look at all of the quad one wins. Like, they're just stacking these impressive wins over good teams. And I think this team is probably better than that team. You think this team is better than last year's team? Yes, I do. My My first instinct is to, like, scream no way. The only difference is how much do you value Hunter Dickinson and having this traditional five-man versus their kind of versatile switchability last year? That, that's it's, it's another year for Harris. It's another year for Adams. It It's McCullough in the system. I think this is a better team. I mean, no one loves size and offensive rebounding more than I do, except for maybe like Jamie Dixon, but... Look, I mean, Kansas was was 25th in offense last year. I think that goes up. It kind of substantial. And that's that's what losing that you know that's what subbing out Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson for Nick Timberlake and Hunter Dickinson. I I can see that being closer. And and if you look if you look historically. The years that Kansas has had the elite offense has been the years that they've went to Final Fours in national title games. If you look back, sixth in 2022 when they win the title, 54th in 2021 when they get pounced early, eighth in 2020 when everyone thought they were rolling to the national championship game, um, 27th in 2019 when they get bounced early, 2018 Final Four team, fifth in offense, 2017 Elite Eight team, fifth in offense. 2016 Elite Eight team, 10th in offense. 2015 team that gets bounced in the second round, 27th. Like, I I think I think this team is a top 10 offense, and that's why I think they're a, a, a Final Four national title team this year. Anyway, anything else on Kansas before we move on to Texas? Texas, right. number two? Texas was number two in the league last year. You seemingly huge on Texas. I'll let you explain why. I'll just give the offseason rundown because it was very active. Um, Rodney Terry gets the full-time job in the days after the Elite Eight lost to Miami. Um, 
think the hope was, hey, we're going to get, you know, we're, we're going to have some continuity. You know, obviously we're going to lose we're lose some key players with graduations, but we're going to we're going to keep Ron Holland. We're going to keep AJ Johnson. Um, we're going to have we're going to have something here. And they lose both those guys late. Holland to the G League, AJ to Australia NBL. Um, they lose Rowan Brumbaugh, who was like a kind of a, a piece you expected to be there for multiple years, develop. I'm trying to remember who else departed, Brad, like transferred out. Um, Arterial Morris. Arterial Morris transfers out. That was like a head scratcher at the time. You're like, he, he's going to play. Why is he leaving? Um, so uh, Jabari Rice, Marcus Carter. We- right. So you had Jabari, Timmy Allen, Jabari, uh, Marcus Carr, Christian Bishop. All those guys had to go. They're graduating. Yeah. And for a while, it seemed like Dylan Mitchell was going to go pro. And all of a sudden, you're like, okay, like, who's, who's playing for Texas this year? But Tyree Tonner comes back. Dylan DeSue comes back. Dylan Mitchell decides to come back. They get Max Aismith from the portal. They get Caden Shedrick from the portal. They get Ethiel Horton from the portal. And then down the bench a little bit, uh, Zayrick Onyema and Alex and, uh, um, and Shendall Weaver, excuse me, from UC Arlington. They come in and join the Friday's bench players. And then a little bit of a couple of freshmen as well to, to note Chris Johnson, who was committed to Kansas and decommitted. And then Devin Pryor, who was committed to LSU and decommitted. So a rebuild roster, 12, 12, 12, 12 out of 13 scholarships filled, excuse me. Um, in all three key pieces back and Max Ace was getting the ball in his hands. But do you buy the Rodney Terry thing? And do you buy Max A. Smith being the best player on a high-end team? Brad, Brad, the floor is yours. So I have Texas number nine. We'll start with, well, why the hell do you have them 10 spots higher than everyone else, right? I think this defense is going to be insane. Like, Ty- Tyrese Hunter is one of the best point-of-attack defenders in all of college basketball. Dylan Mitchell is enormous. And so athletic. He he's gonna be playing the three. Disu, you know, another year removed from the injury. He 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 started to look more like himself towards the end of the year. Shedrick is a monster. He's enormous. He's athletic. I think this defense could you know push Tennessee, you know, some of these other you know Mississippi State for being like elite elite defenses. That's that's the main reason, and you know I'm not an, an Aismith guy. You, you had said, do you buy Aismith being the best player? I think Aismith ends up being the third best player this year, behind Hunter and Dizu. And I think for, for what you need from Aismith is just hitting shots, spacing the floor, letting it fly. I think he'll be their leading scorer. I think he'll he'll fit in well with four really good defenders. And you look at this bench. I think Horton's a nice piece. Is he good enough for a top ten team? Who knows? But he, he you know, he can add a you know more offensive pop because even my concern with, with Texas and why I'm kind of buying the upside here, the issue is Dsu, you know, hasn't been the level of player he was at at at, at Vanderbilt, you know. Hunter hasn't shot it great, hasn't really lived up um, to what he was flashing at Iowa State. Shedrick has had great flashes, but basically benched 
in all of ACC play last year until the very end of the season. And Dylan Mitchell, all right, here's Big 12 stats from last year. 2.7 points a game, 3.9 rebounds, 0% from three, 18% from the free throw line. So that's that's a pretty big red flag. So I'm I'm, I'm not buying Mitchell to obviously be a NBA lottery pick or anything, but I think he'll bring elite defense. If he can get you know six points and seven rebounds a game and be huge and active on the wing, then every coach has loved Brock Cunningham. He's been there for what four, three, four different coaches at, at this point. They've all loved him as a great glue guy. So I love the roster makeup with Aceness around the four great defenders. I like Horton as some bench pop. I love the size and athleticism of this front line. And I'm liking Hunter potentially taking that step that he showed Iowa State to be the best player. Fair enough. So here's my report to that. I don't disagree that their defense could be really good. I have major concerns about them offensively, especially if they're going to play Mitchell at the three. Dylan Mitchell looked very confident taking shots at uh, the combine. Did not look confident making shots. Like they, those things were not going in. They're going everywhere. And as you said, like you're not buying. I'm not even. So what made Max Aismith? I, I I see a team where the offense is going to be built around Max Aismith. Right? He's the point guard. He's the you know elite scorer. Two, I think 2,500 plus points. You know, huge pedigree sold the bill of goods. He's the guy, right? And he comes from Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts, not only are you playing in the Summit League, which is one of the least athletic leagues in America. Now, don't mean to discredit Max because Max had a great career and had some big games against really good teams. But Max's whole, the whole scheme was built around incredibly good floor spacing in the pick and roll, right? They were really good in 2021 when they had O'Banner in the pick and pop. They were really good in 2023 when they had Vanover in the pick and pop and the pick and roll. So now you have now we're talking about playing a below average Tyrese a below average shooter in Tyrese Hunter, a way below average shooter in Dylan Mitchell, Dylan DeSue who can pick and pop some at the four, and then a traditional five in Kate Caden Chetrick. Okay, well maybe they're going to play a little smaller. They're going to put some guys in off the bench. Okay, so we've got Ethiel Horton. Cool. He he would help. He would help. Swapping for him for Dylan Mitchell. I like that. You got Brock Cunningham. Well, that doesn't help. Uh. You have Devin Pryor. That doesn't really help. Chris Johnson maybe helps, but you can't play him and Horton, right? Like, and he's a freshman, and how well the freshman shoot the ball, right? Like, I think this team is going to struggle offensively. And I still think, right, like Rodney Terry did a great job last year. I'm not in trust Rodney Terry mode to figure it out, right? Rodney Terry was a average coach at UTEP. He was an average coach at Fresno. Like, this was not... Like this, this, this is like you. You rank the coaches in the Big 12. He's, he's below eighth, that's for sure. So, look, I, I have him 26. That's probably on the low end of national consensus. It's not like way outside the bounds. You have him ninth, which is on the high end of consensus, but not like insanely outside the bounds. Um, I just, I don't know how they score consistently. And I think if they don't give him space, Max Ace is really going to feel the constant body blows that the physicality of a big 10 game or a big 12 game, excuse me, provides. That's fair. I'm, I'm buying the tools and the size and you're 
selling the skill and the the coaching basically that's that's, that's where we're coming down to all right let's move to baylor baylor had a good year last year but always left you wanting more uh particularly defensively um fell outside the top 100 on that end of the floor last year despite having that dynamic backcourt trio of Keontae george adam flagler and lj crier all three of those guys are gone they bring in three new guards who i think have a chance to be really good um those being Jacoby Walker, freshman, Ray J. Dennis, and Jaden Nunn as transfers. Uh, also, Miro Little coming in. They've got Langston Love coming back, although it sounds like he'll miss some time early. Um, you know, I think this backcourt's probably worse than the group that they had last year, but they also have a chance to be a little bit more well-rounded. None can guard. That's something they lacked last year. I mean, Flagler's a good defender, but he's very small. Uh, they'll be a little bit bigger, a little better defensively, I think, in the backcourt. Uh, you have Ray J., who... You know, I know there's been some concern, but, you know, he's he was awesome at Toledo and had some huge games in some really big, big spots. I think he'll have a, he'll have a, he'll have a good year for Scott Drew. It's a good system fit for him. And then Walter, who's a high-volume scorer on the wing. Uh, so I think the backcourt will be okay. The real question is, does the defense take the jump? And that was a problem last year. Jerome Tang was very involved in that defense. We'll wonder, okay, like, well, what, you know, can they continue to play how they played you know, with the no middle and stuff? I think having Jonathan Chamuchachua for a full year is critical, although I will say, and I, I noted this at the time last year, I think a lot of people thought that the defense would improve. It actually got worse when Chamuchachua got back. And that's not to say that he's not a good defender, but it was just, it was taking, it took time. And we'll see if, we'll see if a full off season for him health-wise will, will be enough. Yeah, JTT is is the difference here. And yeah, la- last year he was less than a year removed from a major injury. You know, I, him and Justin Moore, I had written them off both for last season entirely. I think it's probably good that he came back last year, gets you know, get his feet wet for for his last run here. And if he can provide that, you know, the the rim protection, the the rim rolling, the, the activity, the rebounding, and, and also the organization. He's the quarterback of that defense. Yeah, if he if he can bring that back from his pre-injury days, then this defense should be good. I mean, Bridges should be a good defender. Nunn's a good defender. Walter is incredibly long. I was actually watching some of him prior to our um, prior to our recording today. I was watching some Link Academy uh, from the 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 spring. I mean, he he can hit shots. He's got great size. He can handle the ball. He he could like really explode. He is one of the highest upsides of any freshman in the country. Um, and then, see, Dennis, you know, for 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 people with long memories, he is kind of getting this short shift because people were burned by Marion Jackson. The people are so in on Marion Jackson. He came from Toledo, going to Arizona State. He put up these huge numbers. Toledo was very good. And Marion Jackson was just like a, a blob bench piece on a – Bad Arizona State team. Um, right. Well, and people say, I, I, I've seen the three men we've made this, this comment, which I think is, I don't think it's unreasonable to say this. The, the Mid-American is not a great defensive league. You know, a lot of guards play really well in it. Maybe, you know, it's not as transferable statistically. Well, it's fine. But like Mark Sears was just like a really critical piece on a national, you know, number one overall seed team. It's not like it can't happen. I mean, if 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 we put our heads together, we could come up with guys from every conference who were were great successes and great failures. Avian McCollum is guaranteed to have 
be an All-American at Oklahoma because Jalen Pickett was good at Penn State. Or, I, I mean, even even Don, Don Carey was pretty good, too. Yeah. That's Sienna, the Albany water up there. Yeah. Although uh, Joe Joe Cremo didn't do so well for Villanova. So, see, you know, we can do that all day long. Um, so, in terms of Baylor, I think I'm a little lower. I think a lot of people are giving them a, 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 a bigger Scott Drew bump than I am. I have them at number... 27. Okay. So I have them at 19. And I have them third in the league. I had Texas fourth in the league, 26th. You had, I had Kansas one and one. You had Kansas one and six. Yeah. And then Texas was nine, two and nine, right? Or is yeah. Houston in between there? I, I have Houston way lower there than everyone else. I have them at 20. Whoa. I don't know how the, like, like the three men we've had them at four. Like, I, I literally cannot understand. Well, why don't we just do Houston now? I know we're getting off our order, but yeah, they're in that elite tier. We kind of, I think we both agree that that's the, the top tier is Kansas, Baylor, Houston, Texas. So let's do Houston now. Houston, second in Ken Bomb last year, 33 and four, felt like this is the year. It doesn't quite happen. That being said, you know, they were still an elite team and they bring back some critical pieces from that team. Um, Jamal Shedd, chief among them, Juwan Roberts as well up front helps a lot. And then some breakout candidates like Terrence Arsenault, um, Emmanuel Sharp. Um, th- those guys are, are, are pretty, pretty big pieces of the operation here for, um, for, for this Houston team. Now they also add in the portal, LJ Cryer, 15 points a game at Baylor, about as good of a transfer as you can get. And it, it, I feel like it's a good example of one that just kind of flew under the radar because of timing and you know, his recruitment wasn't super high stakes, but like we talk about Hunter Dickinson as though like, Oh my God, like this is the, the next coming coming to a program. And Houston just got like a first team, all big 12, 15 point per game guy on a top on, on a three seed. And everyone's just like, Oh, you know, it's LJ Cryer, it's Houston, it's whatever. Um, that's a great pickup. And then Damian Dunn as well from, Temple, 15 points a game there at a high major. So, look, I think the combination of the three guards and the fact that Houston has been remarkably consistent. Houston here, over the last um, the last six seasons, they've won 33 games, 32 games. I was second in Ken Palm and second in Ken Palm. 28 games, fifth in Ken Palm. 23 games, 14th in Ken Palm. 33 games, 12th in Ken Palm. And 27 games, 18th in Ken Palm. The floor has been incredibly high. I think it stays that way. It, it would be really hard for me to get si- get outside the top 15 with this team. So I guess, boy, I'm not buying this. But, I mean, the, the, the front court is pretty, you know, Roberts has been around a while. But, but, you know, there's not a ton of experience here. And it's smaller. Like, so, so they're going to start Francis and Roberts, we think? I'm, I have them starting four guards and then bringing Francis and Roberts off the bench. Or Francis and JoJo Tugler off the bench, Roberts at the five. I mean, but a lot of people will four guards is not, yeah. it's not what Kelvin Sampson has done in recent memory, right? It's always been the two bigs, the two offensive rebounders, right? It's true. And that was against American, which had smaller front lines. And now I, I, I totally get the analytics and everything. 
but you can be more efficient with that style against smaller teams than you can against bigger teams. And in the Big 12, you know, between some of these front lines we could see at TCU and I mean Kansas is going to be big, Texas is going to be huge. Texas Tech's going to be pretty big. I don't think this front court is going to be able to bully other front courts like they did in the American. And now, I mean, if this was Josh Carlton at Houston and Jarris Walker, then yeah, sure. But, you know, that's not Javier Francis and Juwan Roberts. I mean, Houston had 13 offensive rebounds against Alabama this past year, number one overall team in the country. With Jarris Walker and Reggie Chaney, who were both – Reggie Chaney had four of those rebounds. Jarris had one. Juwan had five. Juwan Roberts, I'll I'll take the rebound against anybody in the country. Juwan Roberts had 20 rebounds against Memphis last year in a game. Five of them, uh, or 10 of them, excuse me, on the offensive glass. He had four offensive rebounds against Auburn. Um, We could take it back a year. He had four offensive rebounds against Villanova. In 26 minutes and eight rebounds overall, like that dude is a dog. Oh, we'll see. I mean, against these, I, I mean these these front lines are. You know, I I I get that. You know, Clowney and Bediaco is an enormous front line, right? And Auburn was what Broom and Jalen Williams or whoever. Enormous front line, yeah. We. We moved to the backcourt. Their foreign trip, they went shed, cry, or sharp. Cryer and shed, I both have as like top 80-ish players in the in the country. I mean, you you compare that. So, like in terms of backcourts, I think I'd rather have both. Ray J. Dennis and Jacoby Walter and Max A. Smith and Cyrus Hunter. You would rather have Ray J. Dennis's 19 points at Toledo than LJ Cryer's 15 points at Baylor? Well, I like... No. I like Walter the best of the four. So so, so if, I, if I were putting them in order, I'd go Walter, Shed, Cryer, Dennis. Now, I have, I have Houston Iyer in Baylor, but just like looking at the backcourts, I think I'd go there. So, so in 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 summer, I think that the the front court is going to be a little underwhelming for the Big Twelve. And while the backcourt is very good, I don't think it's great. I don't think that this is like next level talent. I don't think the talent level matches what they've had the past few years okay. overall. Fair enough. Shall we go to I, – I have Houston, I believe, eighth – yeah, I have eighth nationally for Houston, even oh. 20th. Um, next up is Kansas State. Kansas State, remarkable year. You know the story, doubted by everyone, including this podcast. Marquise Noel and Keata Johnson go insane all year. They get great production out of Naquan Tomlin, great production out of Desi Sills. Like, 
if you if you and I had been like, hey, let's let's script the best case for Kansas State, I don't think the best case came out to this. Like everything goes perfectly. You would still be like Marquis Noel isn't like the Bob Cousy winner. Um, but he was. He was unbelievable. Um, and they could have made a final four, probably looking back, probably should have. I mean, they were they were winning that game with I think five five minutes ago and just couldn't quite get over the finish line uh against Florida Atlantic. This is a very new team. We've talked about it a lot this offseason. They have just like last year been very patient and made multiple August September transactions with Quez Glover and Will McNair. Um, but this is a new bat a new star group with Tyler Perry replacing Marquis Noel, Arthur Kaluma replacing um Keontae Johnson, bring back Naquan Tomlin, bring back David Engeson, at you know, bring back Cam Carter. I think the idea here is they'll be deeper, should be a little bit better defensively, but do they have enough firepower with Kaluma and Perry? I mean, Keontae Johnson was a bad, bad, bad man. Like that dude was scary. I don't think Arthur Kaluma inspires that same fear. And Tyler Perry's an elite shooter. But I don't think Tyler Perry dictates a game the way that Marquis Noel does. So here's the the issues that Kansas State seemingly solved last year, right? Is you say, oh, it's just a collection of random transfers that they grabbed at the end, right? Oh, Keontae Johnson was in a coma, right? Oh, Marquis Noel, you think he's going to make a huge jump in his fifth season? Like, are you crazy? Oh, the overall talent level, not very high. And they basically solve all those immediately, improbably, and it's ruined it now that every every shitty team fan base thinks that they can make make the miraculous run. I mean, I, I don't know what is the most improbable about all those series of events. I mean, is it Keontae being basically the same player after being in a coma, or Marquise Noel becoming the you know, one of the best point guards in the country out of nowhere in his final season. But switching the page to this season, I've been on a Kansas State roller coaster. Where at first I was like, now this team doesn't have the talent. And then looking into it, I was like, oh, Tyler Perry was really good on, on a good team last year. This defense is going to be un- unbelievable. I mean, now that they added McNair for some size, coming off the bench, but Kaluma, Engasan, Tomlin, three, four, five. You're not going to find like a more versatile, switchable group. Um, you know, that's that's even better defensively than Kansas's switchable group last year at the three, four, and five with Adams and McCullough and Wilson. But then they didn't play well on their foreign tour. But then I'm I'm just like. You know, kind of similar to Texas. They don't have the size or the size of the Texas front line or kind of the guys with, with the pedigree. And I think that, I think that this offense is going to be worse than Texas' offense. But this defense should be really, really good. And so I've tentatively settled on Kansas State being just on the wrong side of the bubble at 54. But I could see them being, you know, top 25 if the the offense breaks right. Arthur Kaluma at the three is going to be a disaster offensively, but on the defensive end, I mean, he's going to be a monster. 
Yeah, so um, we mentioned earlier in this uh, offseason, like, last chance guys. I think that was your terminology. Do or die, right? Like, the the reputation's on the line. And I think Arthur Kaluma might be, like, one of the more prominent ones that I would consider like that, right? Where the hype was so big after the freshman year, he busts really as a sophomore, but busts in like a non-negative way, right? Like he was still, he was still a good player. He just was not what we thought he'd be. And he at times felt like the weak link of a very good Creighton team. You do not want him dribbling. Go on. And he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't process the game. I'm willing to accept guys. Guys can get better at shooting. Guys can get better at ball handling. Guys can get better at shooting. Arthur Kaluma's issues are mental. Like, Arthur Kaluma doesn't think the game well enough. And I think when that's the case, it's really hard to improve. Not to say that you can't get better. Like, you can't improve at the margins. But, like, like if if Arthur Kaluma becomes, like, a 17-point-per-game scorer, like, a leading leading guy, then that would be, like, that would be very surprising to me. Right? Like, that, I would be very, very surprised if that's the way that this plays out for Kansas State and they wind up with that second bog. Maybe it happens, but I think that to me is the big rub is that I don't think any of Kaluma and Gasan and Tomlin are really going to be like creating a ton. And I think that's going to put a lot on Perry. Um, I don't think their offense will be bad, but because I think they'll be able to kind of manufacture it in a lot of ways but i do think it's just lacking like like if you're hoping arthur kaluma will be keonta johnson you are setting yourself up for disappointment he's not the same level explosive athlete he's a very good athlete um probably a better defender than keonta johnson but he doesn't shoot as well he's not as good offensively if uh, he's taking more than one dribble on a possession like the the uh, possession's over um his shooting's not bad. I think he'll end up shooting it pretty well. Um, but, you know, playing the three, it's like, ugh. I don't know. But, you know, Perry was awesome last year. Carter was a starter. Engasan's a great, like, athletic glue guy. Tomlin is, you know, average double figures last year. Quez Glover gives him some pop off the bench. McNair gives you some, some size in some of these bigger teams. So, they definitely have a chance. I'm... 54th, I believe that's ninth in the Big 12. I have him 45th in the Big 12, or 45th nationally, 8th in the Big 12. Cool. Um, so then that brings us to TCU. TCU was a thrilling high-wire act to watch last season. They were everyone's trendy title pick. Uh, once everyone saw that Mike Miles incredible fast-break offense that they were able to pull out, Um it never quite came together. They had injuries. They still weren't a very good shooting team. But they did take, you know, they, they did make some improvements that we were looking for, right? Like last year, if you were coming to the year with TCU, you're saying, man, they just turn it over too much. And they fixed that. They just couldn't make enough shots and eventually go down to Gonzaga in a thriller in the second round. Mike Miles gone. Damian Baugh gone. Um, but some pieces back, namely um, bring back Emmanuel Miller, uh, who was a 12 and 6 guy, uh, Chuck O'Bannon, shooter, Micah Peavy, glue guy. And then they revamped the backcourt transfers Jameer Nelson from Delaware, Avery Anderson from Oklahoma State, two like pretty stable, proven dudes. Um, got deeper in the front court with 
Ernest Uday, former five-star. Uh, Xavier Cork is back. Kobe Coles is back. And then Essa Mustafa from Coastal Carolina. So this team has has plenty of bodies. I think they're talented enough to be pretty good. I'm just not sure there's anything that I'm wowed by with this group. Well, that's kind of what you expect from these TCU teams is they're going to be athletic. They're going to be big in the front court. They're going to hit the offensive glass. I mean, that that front court foursome of Miller, Coles, Uday, and Cork. You know, you got, I mean, Coles like that old, old, old school power forward who's big and physical. Uday's enormous. Cork started a lot last year. Miller's has some skill. He can step out a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I I just love that front court. And they went with the two scoring guards with Nelson and Anderson. They've athleticism with PV and shooting with O'Bannon. And then Tennyson, I think he's a combo guard as well. I see this team as like, I think at 35th. I don't think that they have a star player. Anderson... He's shown some scoring flashes at Oklahoma State. I think overall, though, he's you know kind of been left wanting more. Miller, you know, from back back from his U19 days, we both pegged him as, as a star. Where he he's just been very good. I think if there's one thing that this TCU team, you, you, know, you say, okay, why 35 instead of 25? I think it's the backcourt. I like that they added the scoring with Nelson and Anderson. But I think if they went with a little more shooting or just double down on size. And now maybe they can still do that with PV and, and you know, put, putting PV in there at, at the two. Um, but I do like this TCU team. I kind of like that whole group from like 20 to 37 or so. So they're not too far off from like the top 25 for me, but. Yeah, I'm closer to that back half. I have, I think, 41. Um, This is where, again, I'm not sure if I'm just, like, too low on this tier or not, Um, but it's all kind of anchored against one another very close. I guess I'm not, like – I think Uday picked a good landing spot, Um, but I think, again, the similar problems, like, we're not going to shoot a great – we don't have a ton of skill, and as you guys said – I mean, as you said, Brad, like – I mean, I, I just like all these teams have transfer point guards. And Jameer Nelson was great at Delaware. He was okay at GW. Would you rather have Jameer Nelson or Ray J. Dennis? I think Ray J. Dennis. I think probably right, too. To be fair, the G, GW stuff was what, at least three years ago. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's very tough to differentiate this middle uh you know middle of of the league here texas tech is kind of similar i don't know where they come up but you know, they, they have all you know ton of guys who, who can play you know 10 or 11 guys you can see in the rotation they have good size in the front court they have a lot of athleticism i actually have texas tech a couple spots higher because i like pop isaacs more than else i think maybe even more than dennis uh, but a lot of these teams, they're just very similar, high turn, high roster turnover, yeah. so, you know, similar makeups. It, it, it's very tough to tell them apart. 
right. Well, we will get Texas Tech in a bit. Uh, they came in last in the league last year, so we have to to get through that through some others first. But Iowa State is our next team. Iowa State, 19 and 14 last year, make the NCAA tournament, really limp to the finish. This team was 14 and one, 14 and three at one point, five and one in the league. Felt like they were you know, really on on track for another very big surprising year, and then just kind of faded. The offensive issues really started to come back to bite them. You couldn't score consistently. 114th in offense per. For Ken Palm, year after being 171, you know, the defense is great. And the you know, the forced turnovers had an insane clip the last couple of years. But it's going to be really, really hard to be much more than what they've been, which has been double-digit loss team, right? They were a 12-loss team entering the NCAA tournament two years ago. And then last year, uh, they were a 13-loss team entering the NCAA tournament. And only that 41-point performance in the NCAA tournament game against Pitt. That was embarrassing. So... You know, how are, how are they going to manufacture offense is the question. Now, theoretically, they should be in better shape there with the transfers. You know, Cayman Lipsy back at point guard. Some continuity is huge. And then the transfers, Keyshawn Gilbert, UNLV, Curtis Jones, Buffalo, and Jackson Pavletsky from, uh, from Wofford. Um, those guys kind of all duking it out for spots of the two and the three. You have Omaha Baloo, five-star kid. I'm not super convinced offensively he's a huge difference maker. And then their fives are going to be, again, more of that standard rough and tumble battle five. I mean, Robert Jones is in there to to, to punch people and hit them in the mouth, not uh, not score the basketball. So uh, I know a lot of people are high on Lipsy. I loved his poise last year. I just want to see him really put it all together and be a like, – like, is Taman Lipsy a guy who ever leads a team in scoring? I don't no. know the answer to that question, no. um, but I think this is a team that just because of their defense, I think they have enough around. I, I think they have enough talent to make the NCAA tournament. I just don't know how much more they're going to get offensively than what they've had. Yeah, this is you know, this is different than TCU and Texas Tech, where they have more offensive and skilled newcomers as opposed to length and athleticism. I really don't know how the lineups are going to shake out. The only thing I think I know is that the starting front court will be Omaha, Billy U, and Robert Jones. It'll be interesting to see if Omaha wants to play the four and you get or the three and Trey King winds up starting. That could certainly happen too because you know, you look at the three and Curtis Jones is a little smaller, and then Lipsy played a ton last year, but you're bringing in Pavletsky, who people really like. Pavletsky can play the two, but yeah, yes. and and Gilbert, who had had a great year in the Mountain West last year, they, they took the, one more guard than you would have thought. Right, they got the three three newcomers. I I've heard very good things, just you know, people talking on Twitter about Pavletsky and Jones. Lipsy played a ton last year. Gilbert had great stats last year. Momaklovich pronunciation. I think it's uh, Milan Momchilovich. Ma- Monchilovich, I guess he, he could play some three, too. you got to find him some minutes. He was a great recruit. He's like a Hawkeyes-style player. I don't think he's as good as Hawkeyes, but, like, that's his, like, game. And I love, and I, I, I even like these frontcourt backups with King. You know, he's, he's super experienced, and Hassan Ward is great athlete, shot blocker. So they're, they're pretty set at every position. It just comes down to the fit w- with all these new guys together. How good are these guys actually, right? In terms of my top 100, I have 
Omaha as like a top 40 player. Um, just based on what people were saying about U19 and kind of how he's looked in those kind of national events and stuff. But that would make him, in my rankings, not only Iowa State's best player, but like the second best player in the conference, which doesn't, doesn't ring right. And like the second best freshman in the country, or third best freshman in the country. I'm not sure <laughs> if if that rings true, but there's so many new pieces. They're supposed to be talented. I think the fit could be okay. It's a little shaky, but I have Iowa State making the tournament. I have them 44th, 7th. I have them, I believe, 40, 43rd, so we're right there. Um, again, I think – I actually think the ceiling's really high because I feel pretty good they're going to have a top-10 defense. Right, and if they have a top ten defense, and oh by the way, now that now they score it, now now let's say Pavelski and and Jones really really change their team or lift three, right? Like, and all of a sudden they've got a top fifty offense. You know, that's a team that could like really contend. So, so who in this backcourt is giving you the defensive optimism? Uh, Keyshawn Gilbert is an awesome defender. Okay. Uh, Great, like, ball hawking, ball hawk. Tame Lips, he's a really good defender. Yeah. Omaha should be a really good defender. Um, Jones and Ward, yeah. Jones and Ward, obviously. Robert, like, yeah. Yeah, up front. Uh, I don't know that Pavelski's going to be able to guard anybody, but I don't know who Caleb Grill really guarded anyone. Um, same idea. And, yeah, like, I mean, it's also stylistic, right? Like, Obviously, Oshuni and stuff helped, but, like, they also, like, if you look back, I mean, they just had athletic dudes who could get into you. And I think Iowa State has athletic dudes that can get into you. I don't think it's, like, you need, like, elite on ball. Like, Gabe, Gabe Kalsher wasn't, like, some great defender at Minnesota. I'm looking where did uh, – so, I yeah, I, Iowa State was eighth in defense last year, and looking at the personnel – Obviously, Ashumi as a rim protector. Lipsy's a good defender. Kalsher, I thought, was supposed to be a very good defender. I mean... But if you but also, if you look at, like, the, the underlyings, like, they don't do anything well defensively other than force turnovers. Like, they were 138th in two-point defense and 157th in three-point defense. And then and they they, they they run you off the... They, they, they encourage you to take as many jump shots as you can, and they force turnovers. And the same thing the previous year. The previous year, they had even more luck because they ran people off the three really well. They, you know, team shot... 29% from three against them, but you know that that can be luck dependent as much as anything. So maybe I'll consider flipping Iowa State and Oklahoma State. I'm, Ooh, I'm, you're high on Oklahoma State then. I am. I, I we'll we'll get to them, but they're next. So talk, talking through Iowa State, I think I underrated their defense. Certainly, I didn't look at this roster and think like you know Tennessee, Texas, great defense roster, and they should be able to score. I might, I might move them up. So I, I had them 44. I might move them up to like 40-ish, 41. Okay. All right. Why don't we do Oklahoma State? Because they are next in our list anyway. And you said you, you, you had them kind of neck and neck. So Oklahoma State was 46th in Ken Palm last year. At one point, looked like a near lock for the MCAA tournament. We're 7-5 and five in the league, 16-9 and nine overall. Then the wheels came off. They lost five straight. A lot of that was Avery Anderson being out. Um, they wind up in the NIT, you know, just 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 miss for for Mike Boyden, and still now Mike Boyden has not made 
the NCAA tournament without Cade Cunningham. He has not finished above 500 in the Big 12 without Cade Cunningham. So I, I wouldn't say he's on like a scorching hot seat at the moment, but I think the pressure is certainly building. Um, and that makes for a very interesting year uh, in Stillwater, where they bring back Bryce Thompson, they bring back John Michael Wright, um, they bring back Caleb Asbury. But I think three newcomers really define this group, and that's Javon Small in the backcourt and then Eric Daly and Brandon Garrison, two, two freshmen up front. You don't feel good in, in general about two freshmen basically starting at the four and the five. With that being said, Garrison was a is a is a really big body with some skill, and Eric Daly is like a big, powerful forward who can, um, you know, lefty finish around the rim, um, sometimes you know can can attack from the free throw line, and I don't know if he's like quite like Trace Jackson Davisy, but I think there you'll 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 see some of that when you watch him play. Um, I think he's more Terrence Jones type of guy. Yeah, that's 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 a good comp. He can handle the ball and like he he can make he can make plays. Yeah, the reason why I'm buying Oklahoma State as, as a tournament team. So first they that that backcourt you know is it that good? I don't know, but I think it's definitely a tournament level backcourt. You know, but between it won't hold them back. Right, and then you're adding Javon Small, who, who we touched on a few weeks ago. Just you know put up monster numbers at East Carolina. You know, could he follow the same path as? Tristan Newton, you know, as as we kind of minimize these guys to their uh, predecessors at the same schools, right? But uh, I, I mean, he, he he put up huge numbers in 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 the American Conference, and I I think I'm buying this front court despite the youth. We just went through daily. I think he could be a Terrence Jones type. He can handle the ball. He can pass. He can make plays. He can score. I'm I'm really buying a a big year from from him, you know, double figure scoring, and you know Brandon Garrison's made U19 or U18, you know, he's he's made those FIBA teams. He, he gives them the the size and physicality to compete uh, with some of the bigger guys in the conference. I'm not necessarily buying their their reserves, but you know, give me that top six of the the starters and small. I think that's good enough, you know. Now that I'm switching them in Iowa State, I'll have Oklahoma State 44th, which puts them in the first four. So yeah, I, 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 this this is a great first four team. I think historically this roster would be more talented than most first four teams. Fair enough. So I have Oklahoma State just outside the top 50. I think I'm 52nd. So yeah, I, I just think I I think they're just they're missing one piece. Maybe it's someone like a Isaiah Miranda stepping up and being better, or one of these freshmen like Musa Cisse. Yeah, Musa Cisse would be a huge difference maker for this team to have. Um, you know, I, I I think they come up just a little bit short. Like I, I love I love Javon Small. I like Bryce Thompson. I just I, I don't see the like star on this team, and I think that youth in the front court will hurt them. I think they, I think they're, they're, they're just on the other side of the bubble, and I have them 11th in the Big 12. So, all right, next we have West Virginia. We've talked so much about West Virginia on this podcast because they were active into the late into the off season. The TLDR signed a huge, huge transfer class in in the early spring. Bob Huggins gets fired. Some of the guys flip. Some guys who were there who weren't transfers, like James Aconquo and Joe Toussaint, 
they head out of town late. They backfill with guys like a cook, a cook, Quinn Sosinski. The final result is a roster of almost entirely transfers. They will likely start five of them, Kirk Risa, Jose Perez, Raekwon Battle, a cook, a cook, and Jesse Edwards. Um, Slazinski off the bench. Um, they had a Noah Farrakhan as a sit-out. I mean, Josh Eilert, the interim head coach, has really emptied the clip here. But, I mean, look, Eilert has no experience as a head coach. He has a roster that I think is being vastly overrated. His recruiting maneuvers early on do not indicate to me that he really knows what he's doing. I mean, he is doing some weird stuff in 2024 and 2025. I mean, the whole Nas Cunningham thing, like, from Nas Cunningham's perspective, like, you're going, you're you're using a visit on a coach who's not even the the coach. No, it has to be so dire for him. No one wants Nas Cunningham. And then he's got, like, three three stars coming on a visit. Yeah, none of them are good enough. Like, oh. all those things are just, like, scaring me about Josh Eilert. And I already was kind of, like, mid on the roster. Right? I, I think, think he's just bored. Like, probably no recruits want to come on visits. <laughs> he's probably like, I got to do something here. Or maybe the athletic director's like, why Why aren't anyone on, Why aren't any prospects coming on visits? <laughs> he's like, well, I'm not the coach. And he's like, well, we'll figure it out. So he got some local three stars to sign up for official visits, but that's that's my best guess on you know theories as to what he's doing. Um, yeah, I'm like I'm concerned here because I want to think talent. Plus, like battle needs a waiver. What's up? Battle needs a waiver, right? Correct. I mean, I I, I almost fell out of my chair today when I saw the almanac had Raekwon Battle as a better player than Devin Carter. Oh, like I, I don't even know what to say. The fact that like he wasn't even remotely in consideration for my top 100, like not even close. Maybe maybe that that'll turn out to be wrong, but I mean, if he's in the top 100 players for the Almanac, I assume Jesse Edwards is as well. Maybe Crease is as well. I mean, maybe they're all in on West Virginia. I'm not like. Doster like and Colin. No one else. Doster thinks they're a top 25 team. Everyone else picked them 12. What? Why? I don't know. I think people love a cook a cook. And he was incredible before the Achilles injury. But he hasn't had the same athleticism, the same power since then. And he doesn't shoot it that well. And people seem to think he can play center. He he cannot play center. Like he's a strict, he's a power forward who can't handle the ball. And Edwards, I mean, Edwards is very good. I have him in my top fifty players. But he was on a Syracuse team that gave him a lot more. You know, they had a lot more shooting around him. That Syracuse team wasn't any good. Right. They were well, bad defensively. Right. My, my thing is, when you really take a step back and you look at all these transfers, like, yes, all of them were big wins. You have Jose Perez, who was a bad high major player. Yes, we'll give him a benefit of the doubt. Bad high major player. Raekwon Battle, who was a bad high major player. A Cook, a Cook, who's like, we really don't know as a good high major player. Kirk Creesa, who was a legitimate high major starter, but like always seen as like the reason why things weren't better at Arizona. Like, 
no one was ever like, man, Kirk Reese is really winning, winning Arizona some games right now. I was like, did Kirk Reese not lose Arizona's game today? And now he's like the guy. And this bench is not very good either. No, no, no. Kobe Johnson's a nice, fine piece. Slazinski might be okay. Sumnick is whatever. And then you Wilson's got played a little bit, but but there's no pop on this bench. None of those guys are going to score over like six points a game. You've got graduated in one weekend. Josiah Harris. Uh, Josiah Harris. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Legendary. Uh, yeah, so I have West Virginia 12th, I believe. Let me pull this up again. I have them 12th and 79th overall. I have them in the 50s just because if you look like even the disaster teams last year in the Big 12 wound up pretty good. But I think the, the floor is a lot lower than where I have them. And if battle doesn't get a waiver, I might move them down down to 13th. But, I mean, you know, it's almost October. We still don't know any of these waivers except for Bamazil. We're waiting on, like, 50 waivers. It is crazy. And the fact that Rothstein said that 18% had been improved, that's simultaneously more and less than what I would... Well, it on. feels like an awkwardly large amount, right? If yeah. you're negating everyone, it shouldn't be 20%. It should either be zero or like ninety-five. <laughs> they're like, yeah, like you're you're getting like abused, like 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 if you get like visit you know, visit uh, uh, verbally or physically abused. Um, if you're verbally or <laughs> physically abused, you get a waiver, and if you have like a mental health catastrophe, you have a waiver. Like then, how is it eighteen percent? Yeah, it has to be like nobody. Like like there's not twenty percent of college basketball that has like severe mental health issues. And that and that wasn't even college basketball, right? That 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 eighteen percent was like college softball and field hockey, and so I mean, you you would think that that number stays the same, yeah, for college basketball. And I I would have said the most most you know if you had asked me in March when the Musa Cisse and Brandon Murray started committing everywhere, I would say the most le- likely outcome is that like ninety five percent are are approved. I yeah. would have said the second most likely outcome would be zero percent were or or approved you know 18 percent you know one in five i would have had that as like the nine thousandth most likely outcome but we'll see who who gets the right roll of the dice um yes speaking uh or next up we have oklahoma oklahoma had a weird year where it felt like they were hanging on for dear life they blew the doors off alabama and then fell off the map the rest of the way. Um, not a great second year for Porter Mosier. I think the pressure's heating up. I don't th- I don't think he's hot yet. Like, I think I think he's probably okay. Um, unless they like really suck this year. But you know, it's it, it is getting towards like Shaka Smart. Is this is this the guy territory for him at the way Shaka was at Texas? Now, I actually really like this team. I'm very interested. I kind of wanted to put them higher than I did. I have them as like right as a borderline tournament team, which I think would be like a semi-hot take to a lot of people. I actually think they could be a lot better than that because I love their guards. And I, if I felt like I knew JV and McCollum would give them a healthy 30 games, 
I would be all in because I think Javion McCollum, we've seen when he's really good. And you've looked back at the tape, Florida State, Ole Miss, like he can go, man. He is really good. Him and Milo Suzanne is a really good backcourt. Um, like that, those dudes are special. Those, like, I, I think those are two guys who will be on like the pro radar by the end of the year if things go well for them. And then you have a big in Hughley. You get glue guys in Latre Darthard and Rivaldo Suarez. You have Otega Owe and Jalen Moore also there to defend. Like this is gonna have they're gonna have to do it a different way. This is not gonna be Porter Mosier, like elite skill, spread, you know, defense, running sets every time down the floor. It's gonna be we guard you and offensively JVN and Los just go get one. But yeah, I kind of think it'll work. Uzan especially has like some serious second round buzz. He he's can awesome. really shoot. He's a great secondary creator. So I I may have Oklahoma too low. I'm at 67. I do acknowledge that this backcourt has great great potential. I do wonder if Uzan's a little more uh, Reese Beekman, you know, where it's more hypothetical NBA role than like being a star here. I like OA as a you know athlete breakout glue guy type. I like McCollum from what I saw at the Thanksgiving tournament last year. Hughley's an interest, you know. Hughley and I guess the, the front court as a whole is interesting. Where you know Pitt finally breaks through the year he's gone, but he's such a talented back to the basket scorer. This team could use a guy who you could throw the ball into like that. Besides him in the front court, I mean, you could go really small with, like, Jalen Moore at the five. I was watching some Jacob Cole at Link Academy. I love his style of play. He's my type of power forward. You know, he, he's aggressive. He's athletic. He's physical. He can score on the rim. He can step out a little bit. Swar- you know, Suarez has been around forever, so. They have, like, a nice athletic group here. I think in terms of comparing them to the other teams in the conference, obviously they're way smaller, right? Playing more or Cole or Soros at, at, at the fours, you know, compare that to Kansas and Texas and even, I I guess that they're pretty aligned with Baylor, but, you know, this is a going to be a smaller front court, I think. Interior defense, I guess we'll see if the guards can de- defend well enough that the interior defense won't matter as much. But maybe I should move them up a few spots, but I still don't think this is the tournament team. Where did you have them, Ashley? 67, but I might move them up to like 62-ish. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm over over buying the whole thing. Uh, they, they definitely have very high upside because of Uzan and McCollum. I, I my my major concern is JVN gets hurt early. I mean, he he showed up to Oklahoma on his visit weighing 155 pounds. Like that's that's scary now. <laughs> At that level, um, how is he going to handle physicality? I don't know. But man, like stays on the floor. He's he's a good one, and he, he he was at Formula Zero, which is Damian Lillard's camp, and won like best player at the camp day one. Like he's like he can go. So anyway, Texas Tech, 
We talked to Texas Tech a bit earlier. Um, you know, I I love the McCaslin hire when it happened. I thought the only concern was like, was he a big enough personality for Lubbock? But man, like, I think he's just made every smart move possible. He hired Kellen Buffington as his GM. Kellen Buffington has an awesome refuta- reputation in the grassroots world, um, running events in Texas. He hired Dave Smart, who was the head coach at Carleton for many years when they were like beating everyone um, at, in Canada. He hired him as a staffer. He hired Luke Barnwell, who was the head coach of Sunrise Christian, uh, to be a and he's super plugged in, obviously in grassroots as an assistant. Like he he has made every right move possible. He won like crazy at North Texas. He won an NCAA tournament game, and I think he's built a team really in his image. Right, they have guys who really will defend like Toussaint, Devin Cambridge, Warren Washington, but they've also got scoring pop, particularly with Pop Isaacs. Now it's gonna be a lot on him. He's really the only guy I think of as like a shot creator on the team. Maybe a guy like Chance McMillan winds up being one as well, but. You know, I've got them in the 30s, and it feels to me like they could go a lot higher if if this thing breaks right. So, I mean, looking at this roster in comparison to Oklahoma, there shouldn't be 30. So, I have I have Texas take a 33. I have Oklahoma at 67. There's not 33 spots between them. I think I think maybe I should be buying more, more Oklahoma stock, right? Like, yes. The Isaacs, Washington, and Toussaint backcourt, right? Two of those guys playing at once. It's probably not as good as McCollum, Uzan, and Darthard, right? Or maybe it's closer. Maybe I'm a a prisoner of the moment. But I think Cambridge... Williams are better than Owe and Soras or more, whoever. And, and, and I think this defense is going to be really good with Washington in the back off these seven-footer blocking shots. They, they have a bunch of guys they can turn to off the bench here. I still, I still like Texas Tech at 33. Oklahoma, maybe I'll move them up you know, into like the 50s, maybe. I mean, this uh, defense is going to be legit. Yes. And I'm, I'm a huge Isaac. I mean, he, he's one of the best shooters in the country. I, I guess this is going to come down to your your, your mileage on Darian Williams taking the step, Lamar Washington taking the step. But. I will say, and I because I had this, like, weird – I was actually writing my Big 12 preview for Sports Illustrated today, and I had this weird, like – Man, am I like way too low on like 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 do I just rank them top twenty five? Do I put do I say Pop Isaacs who's gonna win like Big Twelve Player of the Year? Like not but not but like be first team a league. I will say I looked at the numbers and like he is a dynamite shooter. There's no question about it. But the numbers on his like as a scorer are not great. Like he's an awesome shooter, but does he have like the plane gravity? Um, like he, he shot 35% on twos last year. He took three, he took two X, the number of threes and twos. He took, uh, 164 threes and only 83 twos. Like he, he was very much like a catch and shoot dude for them last year. And they're need him. They're going to need him to be more than that. Just with what they have. 
yeah, that 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 could be playing next to Harmon too, who was a shoot first guy. And 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 now I mean he's he's clearly the guy as the leading scorer. Toussaint it, Toussaint was great for what they needed, and you, the the hole that they had as that secondary point guard, you know, sixth man type, and for who was available at the time. But is Joe Toussaint the right fit next to Isaacs, you think? He's a good point. I think he's good if you trust Isaacs to create a little bit. And I remember Lamar Washington having a better freshman year than he actually did. I love Lamar Washington. Three points a game and 16 minutes a game in conference play. I I I had him penciled in as the starting two guard. I think that must have just been off, you know, recruiting buzz, Twitter buzz, stuff like that. But I think I'm sticking with Texas Tech at 33, which is what fifth in the Big 12. Yeah, uh, I'm fifth, 36th. Um. Three teams left. We got to get to our newcomers. Those would be Cincinnati, BYU, and UCF. I'll do them in the order that I have them in the standings. So Cincinnati first. They I'm tenth in the big 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 Twelve. Excuse me, and forty uh, ninth nationally. Interesting group. Uh, relatively waiver dependent with Aziz Aziz Bandego and Jamil Reynolds. Bandego is kind of the canary in the coal mine waiver. He had a great documented mental health case. We'll see if it gets done. We'll document it on Twitter, right? Yes. Like, yeah. when, when he transferred, he was like, this is because of mental health. Yeah, and he, I believe, also mentioned that he was seeing a therapist. Um, but Bandago and Reynolds are the two kind of contenders to start at the five. They also have Victor Lockett up front. Like, this team has, a, and, and Odio Guama, like, this team is enormous at the four and the five if they have all their guys eligible. Um, they also had added a lot of shooting in the offseason. C.J. Frederick, Ducky, obviously was at Iowa. Seamus Lukosius, good catch-and-shoot guy, secondary playmaker. Um, what they lack is a true, a traditional, like, proven point guard. Might have to start Jizzle James there. Um, and then the other quite or, or, or Juco could Davion Thomas. And the other thing is, like, how athletic do they want to be, right? West Miller is all about athleticism, and I love Rayvon Griffith who's coming in at the two, but he started as Frederick. But I think reasons for optimism here that they can bully ball their way into the NCAA tournament. So do you think that the Davion Thomas, Jizzle James point guard duo is better than Micah Adams Woods and Rob Hennessy? I mean, yes. It's more interesting. More explosive. Right, yeah. Like, <laughs> the whole thing with the other, with, like, Adams Woods and those guys is, like... It's boring. They're very boring. Especially fantasy. And then you look at the wing here. They're going from two score-first guys in Nolly and David DeJulius to just straight shooters for the most part. I mean, we'll see how much Griffith plays. And if Newman is healthy and if he plays... But Lukosius, he has a little more to his game than just shooting, but that's not, you know, that didn't work out too well for Butler. I mean, he, he's not an athlete. 
he he doesn't create a ton of space. He you know he he can bounce it a couple times, but and then Frederick was pretty much a non-factor at Kentucky. Skillings is supposed to be a very good shooter. has has great size. has you know great length. We'll see what he is in year two. But I think overall that one through three is pretty underwhelming for the Big Twelve. And the front court is big and physical. But as as you said, if Bandago gets gets a waiver, he's starting a center and he's really controlling this defense. Without him and Reynolds, it's kind of just more of the same as what they did last year. And you know, Lockett had a great year last year. Maybe it's it's fine, but I think comparing them to other Big Twelve teams, they lack athleticism, especially on the wing. Yeah, I've been Point debating very unproven. The wing itself is kind of underwhelming. And the front court's not going to match up with the top teams in the league. In I've terms been debating, of size, athleticism, or skill. So. I've been debating flipping them in Oklahoma State, but I haven't done it yet. So where do you have Cincinnati? 49th. Oh. I have 77. Whoa. Which puts them 11th in the Big 12. All right. Two more to get to. Appreciate y'all sticking with us. BYU, Mark Pope. I think this move comes at a very tricky time, right? I mean, this is coming off their worst year. The momentum isn't great in the program. I know they have that bit, had that big recruiting one with Colin Chandler, but he's headed off to his mission for the next two years. So BYU is in a spot where you need, not only do you need to be able to sell BYU, which Mark Pope has seemingly been able to do in recruiting to non LDS kids, right? Like the, the move from the WCC to the Big 12, the biggest thing is that now BYU cannot just be a LDS place. Like, they're going to have to recruit non-LDS kids to come. Because if they don't, they're not going to have enough talent. There's just not enough of it out there. Um, especially with Utah having um, Chris Burgess on staff, who's a tremendous recruiter of that region. Um, it's just going to be too hard. So they had to diversify. And now you're moving up in league to you know the tough, toughest league in America. Combine that with the fact that, you know, NIL is now a thing. And obviously there's money at BYU, but the budgets in for the top of the Big 12, not even the top, like the middle of the Big 12 NIL-wise is two mil. And BYU clearly had some money issues with Quez Glover. I don't know that they have that type of money to recruit. So this is an underwhelming roster. I don't think they'll stink. I think they'll be okay. But, like, if they were in the WCC, I'd be like, yeah, it's probably not a T team. It'd be fine. But I just don't think they're going to win enough in this league. Um, I like Dallin Hall, their point guard. Um, Fusini Traor's back. He's a, you know, potential double-double guy. Mm-hmm. Ali Khalifa will help them. But, yeah. I, I, I don't, I'd love to know, like, what the pitch is. It's like, yeah, this is how this team winds up being in the bubble picture. And it looks like they're going to go big, right? They're going to start Khalifa and Traor together, you'd think. I, I, think, I think you have to. I can't believe that the Almanac rated Traor as a top 100 player. I was very surprised. I get that he's very popular and everything, but... Uh, I, I mean, he averaged like 12 and 6 last year. I don't know if he puts up double digits this year as a starting four. We'll see, but... I have him 13th. 84th nationally. I watched him a decent amount last year. Yeah, Hall Hall has great size. He he looks the part. You know, year year two of Jackson Robinson could be okay, but like 
if we're saying you, you know, year two of Jackson Robinson could be okay. Ali Khalifa is a starting center. You know, compare that to like, I mean, Texas Tech average Devin Cambridge and Warren Washington, who are, who both could be the best player on this team, right? The overall talent level here is not not very high, right? I think a lot of these big Big Twelve teams have like three or four guys who could be the best player on this BYU team. Yes, there is really no star power here. So I have them, I think, eighty sixth nationally. Eighty four. Yeah. Um. All right. Last one. UCF. UCF had a was already kind of back against the wall talent-wise going into this, and then they lose Taylor Hendricks earlier than I think they would have anticipated. They lose Joey Hart, um, who was their top recruit in the class. They lost even, like, their other recruit went to Dayton, I believe, Petrus Patajimas. It's been a weird offseason. The incomers are relatively underwhelming, like Shamari Allen from UMKC and Jalen Sellers from uh, Ball State. Again, both are fine recruits, but neither guy led their own mid-major team in scoring. Right. Those are those are the guys for UCF. They also added uh, DeMar Langford uh, from BC, who's like a fine wing two like former bust high major big guys in Ibrahima Diallo from Ohio State and San Jose State. Omar Payne from Florida, Illinois and Jacksonville. Like there's not a lot here, Brad. This might be a top 100 team, but it's nothing more than that. Yeah, I didn't put them in my top 100. I think they're clearly the worst team, but like they're not that bad. Like I think that they're better than. Yeah, I, I, I think that they come in ninth in the Big East. They think they're better than Minnesota and Penn State in the Big 12, probably. Um, yeah, I mean they they at least added the pieces, right? Like they have. They could be good defensively. With they have no glaring hole. Walker and. DLO in the front court. Langford's a good defender if he's healthy. Um, Darius Johnson's a guy who I've lo- I've really liked since high school. Now he's an experienced guy. You know he he, he got to play a ton his first two years and cut his teeth. He's a good recruit. You know the the efficiency people are going to knock him for that. But in year three as the best player on this team, I think he he could have a good season. But like you said, I mean Langford didn't even start at Boston College. For for a good, good good portion of his time there, Diallo was I think San Jose State, right? Omar Payne's been underwhelming. Walker's been hurt for forever. So this team, I guess, has a path to just being like a rock solid defensive team, and Darius Johnson taking a jump offensively. But there's no way that they're gonna finish outside the bottom three in the Big Twelve. Agreed. Um, big picture, hot seat. I think Dawkins is certainly on it. I'd be surprised if he's back. I want to log this take. Yeah. I think Chris Mack's the next coach at UCF. I have a story to tell you about. T- tell you about that after the show. So I think that did I did did I find my nut the blind squirrel? Um, you didn't not. Let's put it that way. Um, 
UCF, Johnny, uh, Johnny Dawkins' hot seat. West Virginia, obviously, is already semi-open. We'll see if Jack Tyler can Rodney Terry. It's open. It's absolutely open. Um, I think Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are in, like, if you're really bad, you're getting fired. If you're not, you probably have one more, but, like, not a guarantee. Otherwise, how about this? How about this? Could uh, Porter Moser jump, jump to DePaul? I've heard crazier theories. Once on the record as his dream job before he – uh, went to a Final Four, obviously. And then he dreamed bigger. I have heard crazier theories. That's my comment on that that rumor. I once uh, said Shock Smart should should bounce, and that and that started a whole a whole chain here. But go on, sorry. I don't think anyone else is hot. I mean, Bill Self Health Retirement Watch potentially. Um, Kelvin Sampson Retirement Watch potentially. Is uh, Jamie Dixon still still trying to get to California? That that was a thing where he was like, I I would be the next UCLA coach if my buyout was lower, right? Yeah, you never know, but I still don't think it's likely that he can get out. I also don't know what job would open, especially uh, given the current landscape. Like Jamie Dixon will not be the next head coach at Stanford. Uh, um, Scott Drew has always been thrown out as a mover. Um, Louisville? Yeah, I, I was just about to say, who do we think is going to be the Louisville coach here? Um, that could be a big domino. Yeah. I think someone like Otts could be the next mover, right? I mean, I've even talked about Tang, but if like Otts had a really good year this year, I could see him being the Louisville coach. Is uh, Wes, Wes Miller hot at all? No, I don't think so. I think it could get hot in a hurry. But right now, it still seems to be like everyone blames John Brandon for everything still. Moses' Which, one where, like, they're they're moving it into the SEC. I could see them wanting a clean slate. And he did try to get Notre Dame last year, and his buyout was too prohibitive, quarter, right? Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, the, the, the buyout went down by at least one year. So, we'll see. Um... Do you have an all-conference team? I don't yet, no. Do you? I did Hunter Dickinson, Omaha Ballou, Jacoby Ooh. Walter, Dewan Harris, and Tyrese Hunter for my first team. Omaha Ballou. Holy yeah. hell. And yeah, then I think my... you have to move Iowa State up if you're going to say that Omaha Ballou's first team all league. I mean, all all the recruiting guys have been raving about him. He was like the best player at the U19 stuff. He was, you know. I thought he was so average in UIBL. So average. Yeah, I have never seen him play. Yeah. At least I've seen Walter play once now. And, I, and I've fallen in love. Um, and then second team I went, Jesse Edwards, Tyler Perry, Jamal Shedd, Dylan DeSue, and Pop Isaacs. All right. Well, We'll wrap it up then. Won't keep you any longer. We appreciate y'all listening. Um, we had a pretty good time. Yeah, 90 minutes for 14 teams. We'll take that. Uh, next week, we'll have another high major league as we, we inch close to college basketball. So appreciate it, guys. Catch you soon.